Welcome to another episode of the Love with Elise Peck podcast. I'm your host, Elise Peck. I'm a best-selling author, certified mindset coach, psychology student, former lawyer, wife, and mother to two primary school aged girls. Today, I'm happy to be speaking with Gabby Garland. Gabby is the CEO of Resilient Heart Agency and Resili Resilient Voice Media. All of her work is focused on helping women heal from and step out of their current situation into their purpose. Gabby is also mother to a 23-year-old daughter and four-year-old son. So welcome, Gabby. Thank you. Beautiful. Oh. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. I apologize. I didn't comb my hair today. It's been one of those days and the baby didn't want to go down. I was like, it's a hat day. That's what we're doing. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Uh, to be honest, I actually have not had a chance to brush my hair this morning either. I just got back from school drops. So in the, this, the in the mornings here, it's like lunch is packed, get everything going, drop the kids at school. But the good thing is that with this, even though I, I record the whole interview on screen, I only use 90 seconds of it for a little uh, of, of the video for a little grab on Instagram. So I do a little promo on Instagram. People can see our faces. So if you're listening to this podcast um, on a podcast platform, if you want to see, you know, Gabby and I actually talking, I do about a 90 second clip on Instagram as a reel to say the podcast is up. Um, so we're, it's only for 90 seconds that we're going to both be having a bad hair day. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. And, you know, how real is that for being mothers? I think all mothers yeah. You know, I think the top knot is usually the go-to for the first few years for a lot of mothers, especially with kids grabbing the hair and stuff like that, that, you know, hair just goes out the window and that's part Absolutely. of it. It's roll with it. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love to know if you could give your pre-motherhood self any advice about motherhood, what would that be? Oh gosh. I was such a young mom. So I got pregnant at 20, had my daughter at 21 and I don't know what I would say to myself because it was one of those things like everybody dreams about, you know, like I want to be like a nurse. I want to be a doctor. I want to be this. I want to be that. And mine was always, I want to be a mom. Like becoming a CEO was very secondary for me. Um, I joked that I wanted to have nine kids and live down the street from my parents without having any discussion of getting married or anything having had to do with the male, which was mortifying for my father. But um I think that the one thing I would say, if I could, if I had to say something is you're going to be a whole lot better mom if you get yourself together, because I think so many of us surrender everything else to everybody else, especially when we're struggling, we get busier um, in our surroundings. And I think being more still really sitting with ourselves and getting ourselves together serves our families and our babies much easier and much better than us just soldiering through and really struggling amazing I'm sorry if if you or anyone can hear the background noise the the, the neighbor appears to have just sort of got out of drill and is doing some some heavy work next door so if you can hear <laughs> my apologies um I'm fascinated by this concept of having um a child young and then your reflection now being you know, make sure you get yourself together and don't surrender everything. So what, I mean, what do you mean by that? Like, what would you do differently? Um, I think that at a young age, because the, the relationship that I had my daughter um, in was a domestic violence relationship. So it was like the most toxic of the most toxic of environments that I could have um, gotten pregnant within. But 
I think the lesson of it for me was how do I on the others like he he passed away when she was four so it was us for I met my husband when she was like 13 or 14 so it was us for the majority of her life and I think the thing that I would say to women that are with like if you mean like if you have like a child that's younger and then one that's older that one um learn all the mistakes because I think I look at my daughter laughs now she's like where's the rowdy mom where's like you're so laid back you're so chill now you're so um non-combative and my son gets just a completely different more just a happier mom a healthier mom and what led to you being a happier, healthier mom now? Um, we lost a baby right after we got pregnant. So we got pregnant or we got married in 2017, November, 2017. We got pregnant. We joked we would get pregnant on our honeymoon. We pretty much did. Um, we, I lost a baby that we call rainbow at 16 weeks and, um, baby Lenny, who's our baby that we had, uh, just, we got pregnant in July he was born one year to the day from the day that I lost his brother on the exact day. So um, that process of going through postpartum, going through depression, then the pandemic hit and we were kind of isolated from the world in a lot of places and a lot of ways. And it didn't really give me the option to like escape to other places to like pacify my time or not deal with my stuff. And so that was really kind of the impetus of it is knowing that I was pretty deep in postpartum depression after losing the baby and then getting pregnant fairly soon after it was hormonally and emotionally pretty, pretty much a train wreck. And I was like, I better do something. Cause this is, you know, this could end badly if I don't get it together. And so going through that changed the way that you approached um, parenting Lenny. Is that right? Like absolutely, it's it sort of, it made you want to be more of what your daughter calls this more laid back chilled mom. Is that right? Yeah. Like I was very, you know, I struggled a lot when I was a single mom, both financially and emotionally. And so when we are not in a good headspace and we're not in a healthy headspace, we get really pissed at our kids for things that really have nothing to do with what they do. It's like, you know, you have a day where you're like, you know what, ah, the light is going to, light's going to get turned off if I don't get this together. And then she loses her $5 for lunch meal. And normally if I wasn't struggling, that wouldn't be a big deal, but you lose five bucks and you're already like your light bill is going to get turned off. And then it, beca- I w- there would be a huge blow up to her. Um, and she'd never deserved that. And so we've had plenty of conversations over the years of like, her understanding how sorry I am for those times and understanding why I was that way. Um, but yeah, baby Lenny gets like a completely laid back, pretty chill mom this now, which is good. They both get it. So it's good. And do you, do you, you know, consider yourself to be a stay-at-home mom to Lenny? Um, absolutely. So he was born with several heart defects. So we found out that he has tricuspid atresia, which is considered a single ventricle baby. So he had, he was born um, March of 2019. He had his first open heart surgery at three weeks, his second at five months. And then he had his third uh, in January of this, of this year. And so for that first, about first year of his life, we had something like 88 appointments in a six to eight month period. And so there wasn't a time that, you know, 
that period of my life was surrendering to being a mom, taking care of him, keeping him healthy, getting him, um, you know, back together post-op and all of those pieces. And I do think as parents, we have different points where that has to be the focus, but I think I made it harder on myself because I had someone to help me, but I was so accustomed to doing it myself that I would be mad he didn't help and I wouldn't let him. And so it was, it was a whole process of learning how to raise a child with somebody versus how to raise a child on your own. It was, it was a tough transition for me. Interesting. So there's like challenges to both being alone and being in, in relationship with another. Um, I'd love to know what, what you think are the main differences in how you're raising your son to how you're raising your daughter. I think one is I'm in just a much better space in general. I've spent the last four years really uh, solid working on and understanding trauma and all the things that I've been through and healing from a lot of those pieces. And so when you are at peace in your heart and when you are at rest with your spirit and all of those pieces, I think you just show up differently. And so the difference with them now is they get the mom that I wouldn't have that I would have been prior to all of the things that happened to me, like who I really was, because I think we do turn into somebody that we're not when we're stressed and we're under trauma and our bodies are on frantic mode or fight mode or whatever um, trigger point that we're at. And so um, I'm having way more fun. It's way more exhausting at 44 than it was at 21. Uh, But I'm having a lot of fun even now, even as tired as I am. Um, being a mom again so beautiful and if there are any mamas out there that are kind of in that stressed out reactive um you know I guess taking a lot of the stress out on their kids sort of mode you know what 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 would you need to have heard during that time or what would be helpful for them to hear for for your kids to hear or for the moms to hear? For the moms, well, I guess both. Maybe that's a message, but for the moms, but it could be the, to the moms that your kids need to hear this. But, you know, um, I guess I guess if you go back to that old version of you, like what did she need to know to help her out? She needed to know that she was making bad decisions and she was making her life harder on herself. And I think a lot of people within my current environment helped me when I should have not gotten the help because it would have forced me to get my stuff together and not play the victim in a lot of situations. Um, And I think getting out of the victim mentality in general is so important for us as moms, because, you know, there's always these like, Oh, I give mom wine, send wine, you know, all of this kind of like, we're just numbing it all down. And the worst thing that I think we can do as moms is numb it down because then we show up, a little bit disconnected from our children, from ourselves, from our own bodies, from our own relationships. And nobody does well in that type of an environment, I don't think. And what have you, all this sort of work that you've done around understanding trauma and all of that, um, what have you learned now that children really need? Like, what is your understanding now? of what- Unconditional love and support at all times. I think navigating mom life. So my daughter was very gifted. Like they wanted to advance her a couple of grades. She was in all the gifted programs, honor society, gifted class, all all of the things. 
Um, and my son has some delays because of his heart. And I think we have to look at each individual kid and, and really ask ourselves like, how best can I serve to help them grow? And it's different for all our kids. What I do now, obviously with my daughter is like, she's a police officer. We navigate all kinds of dating and career changes and promotions and all these different, you know, grown world things. And with my son, it's completely different, but I think switching on and off and really taking the time to know and understand your baby specifically, because every kid needs you to be a different parent than you are to the other one. And I think if we stop and we slow down a little bit, we'll be able to tune into that stuff and then they get a better version of us. Mm, Beautiful. And were you trying to responsibly parent um, your daughter 23 years ago? Were you sort of doing any co-sleeping or any of this with her? Oh, she slept with me uh, probably like three years. And then she had another couple of years where she would go and climb in my bed in the middle of the night to stay. She was attached at the hip with me Um, even more so after her dad passed away um, because it was then it was really truly just us and I think we grew up together and we joke about some of that stuff now but you know there was some points where I was not a really impressive mother like I she really you know she deserved a whole lot better than she got and we had a conversation probably about three years ago about that specifically. Cause you know, as moms, we, you know, if we're, if we're conscious, we're going to think we're messing up at all times. We're like, Oh, I shouldn't have done it like that. I shouldn't have yelled. And I should have made better breakfast. And like, you know, we can make ourselves crazy thinking about all the things that we don't do or that we don't do properly. And I remember telling my daughter the how sorry I was that she got such a messy struggling mom. And she was like, you know, had you been any different than who you were, I wouldn't have turned out how I am. And I'm really proud of who I've become. And so I just kind of take it as what it was. Like she had such a beautiful perspective of understanding that like she became somebody incredible despite all of it. And the perspective was pretty cool. That's so beautiful. And I think what's yeah. really powerful is your, and I think what all children really crave is that accountability from a parent and the acknowledgement of the child's experience and the repairing when the ruptures are caused I think I think deep down all of us are you know if we haven't had that with our parents are waiting for our parents to turn up and say you know when I did some things that hurt you and I actually really care that you went through that and I'm, I'm sorry um yeah I think it's so beautiful that you have taken that accountability um yeah I just think that. it doesn't feel good to do when you sit across from someone you're like okay how'd I mess you up like just tell me what it is right now it's a tough conversation but um I think if we had more of those we would have a lot less people that are struggling because so much of when you look at uh, a lot of this so there, I did a, a class it was a it's been about a year and a half and it was all about how kids express trauma, like what things to look for when your kid's struggling. Or um, if you see like, you know, if you have little kids over from your kid's school and you see kids like kind of just not, not assessing them, but kind of not assessing them just so you can kind of get a read on some of the stuff that's going on. And one of the things that it kept saying in there, because they were asking these kids different environments and scenarios in school. And so much of it was around belonging and, the, I think the worst thing we can do to kids is make them so they feel like they have to earn belonging within their family, because then that turns into them having to 
feel like they've got to hustle to belong in every other place. And home should be the one place where it doesn't matter if your hair is a mess. It doesn't matter if you got an F. It doesn't matter if you got in a fist fight. Like, let's take whatever it is that you're going through and let's sit down and let's work on it because I think not enough. We get so mad at what the world thinks our kids are doing uh, without sitting down with them and going, okay, how can I help? Because you really shouldn't be fighting people at school or you did really well in math last year. What are you struggling at? And we don't have enough of those conversations. And and you look at uh, suicide is such a huge issue, especially with, with kids, you know, nine to, to 12 is like, pretty key. And I'm thinking like, I was such a little girl at those ages and kids are dealing with things that are just completely so many grown situations for these young ages. And so we really need to lean into them and really listen to them and, and find out what's going on in their environment. Oh, that's so important. That's so important. Um, yeah. The, the piece about belonging that children deserve belonging, you know, no matter what, <clears throat> no matter what, something I try to say to my children frequently is, I love you no matter what and there's nothing that you could do that would make me stop loving you and that I'm proud of you no matter what um you know and I, I yeah I'm, I guess I'm trying to give them that sense that no matter what this is always a secure base mm-hmm. really need that because if they don't get that um they'll just keep contorting themselves into a different version different version different version until it's a version that finally it seems like their parent will somehow connect with or approve of or show attention to or just anything um but then they get so far from knowing who they actually are and so far from actually accepting themselves because they had to change so much just to get their parent to love them what does that tell them about you know who they are at their core yeah like whatever i am is not good enough i've got to change to be accepted and and um, a part of this family. There was a guy that I talked to years ago, probably like 10 or 12 years ago, very successful lawyer back home. And his family was lawyers. And he was like, this is what we do. Our family is lawyers, miserable, hated it. Just was like, this is the worst job I could ever have made great money, had a beautiful home, beautiful cars, like had, you know, when you look at the exterior of everything that he had, it checked every box that you think you're supposed to get but he was playing to a narrative and a decision that had nothing to do with what he wanted. And he did it based upon what his parents had, because it was like, we're lawyers, this is what we do. And so it, he really wasn't given the opportunity to make a decision for himself where he wanted to go and what he wanted to create or become. And um, that was told to him. And I think, you know, we want our kids to be successful. We want them to grow up and be happy and all those pieces. But sometimes we, I think and this, and this didn't happen to me, but I do think a lot of times we, we miss out on certain things within our lives. And then we try to kind of mold that into our kid. Like if you like wanted to be a cheerleader in elementary school and then you didn't get it and then you have a daughter, you're like, she's got to be a cheerleader. Cause I was a cheerleader. And I think we've got to really table what our, our little selves wanted and let our kids and just foster that and, and ask them and put them in all kinds of stuff so that they could see what's out there and then let them decide what feels like the, the place for them. Cause they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I've, I've been really mindful to not um, push my children into dancing because I um, did a lot of dancing growing up. It was kind of my, it was my life for like the first 15 years. Same. Um, and, you know, so I was around dancers. My friends were all dancers. It was like the thing. But I was really determined to make sure that 
my child my children were doing something that that it lights them up you know and my youngest wanted to go to this well we got invited to this kind of um trial from a girl at school girl at school gave my sister a voucher come to this free dance trial and so we were going for a few weeks and then eventually my eldest daughter was just like uh, I don't really like this I'm actually only going for the lollies I'm here for the lollies I'm like so you don't like the activity at all and once I found out she was only there for the lollies, I was like, well, no, like, let's find something that, like, you would do, even if there wasn't lollies. <laughs> yeah, we can't just eat lollipops. That's not, that's not the point. Yeah, the that's passion, cute. My passion is lollies. Like, let's find something that you don't need a reward to do. Like, something that, <laughs> you know, because the, the reward should be that you get to do something fun. So now she's doing, at the moment, aerial silks, and she gets to hang from the ceiling doing all this cool acrobatic. And, like, as well as all these airs, she's just, she loves it because there's a lot of kids. She loves socialising. So a lot of kids, and this thing is fun. And I'm like, okay, good. So you've just got to keep looking until you find the thing that, that they that they want to do. But that's something that I've been determined to do as well. I, and also I've been watching um, The Crown on TV. and. Yeah, it's not usually my thing. I'm usually into more reality where I get to watch relationships and um, romantic stuff because I was a... So ridiculous, but I cannot turn it off. I'm the same. Yeah, I just love like people dynamics and watching the trauma unfold and the attachment style. And it's kind of like a study in psychology. But it um, totally is. Yeah, yeah, so fun. But at the but someone recommended The Crown recently and I thought, all right, you know, I'll give it a go. I've been watching it and... Um, you know, it's it's so dysfunctional, the royal family. And it basically, it's this whole concept of you were born and you're already told who you'll be and what mm-hmm. role you'll have to play. And there's one man that falls in love. Henry is his name. He is supposed to be king. And he steps down and says, well, since, since she's a divorcee, I can't be with her. I can't. The, a king wasn't allowed to marry a divorcee, so he had to step down from being king to be with her. And because he refused to be king and he chose a relationship, he chose love, his whole family disowned him. He had to leave. They cut him off. His own mother was disgusted by him until the day she died. You know, there was no actual love there. There was, I will only love you if you will be exactly what I decided you were going to be. It's like, that's mm-hmm. your son. How can you And he's in love, like just because he won't be the king, which you decided he needed to be, you know, it's unbelievable that now you will decide you just, you can't even like or love this person who is your son. And I think we watch that and a lot of people don't even think about it from that angle. They're just like, of course, he's not the king. Of course, why should his family put up with him? But like, that's dysfunctional. That is a child's mother who's supposed to love them no matter what, um, disowning them. And I think a lot of families do that on a smaller scale. They're not, you know, uh, king of england or, or anything like that but on a small scale it's like this is who i want you to be and if you're not going to be that person well I, i've got no love for you and i think that's really damaging um to another human you know absolutely there was a i don't know if you watched um if you watch or listen to anything gabor mate who i'm like super obsessed with um he did a talk with harry prince harry and mm-hmm. They were talking about when Princess Diana was killed and he was a little boy. Like, I want to say he had to be what, like seven, eight years old. He was a little guy. And his dad came into the room and he told him, your, you know, your mother died. And then he just tapped him on the leg and he said, we'll be all right. And he walked out and like this little boy just lost his mother. And you're like, cheer up, son, it'll be OK. And he talked specifically about the kind of trauma that that does to people, because it wasn't that 
obviously the mother dying was devastating in itself, but not having a safe space to cry or to have somebody hold you or to show compassion or empathy or just any of it. He got none of that. And that's wild to me. And you sit there and you think about what that does to kids when they don't get that pouring in. And he's definitely learned a ton um, as a result, but it was so interesting. I was like, oh my gosh, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen um, Gabermete say that it's, it's, it's not what happens to us so much that causes a trauma. It's the lack of a safe space to process it in that Mm -hmm. things uh, aren't as traumatic or they might not become trauma or damaging. If we have someone we can go to that holds space, that lets us grieve. Um, And so for Prince Harry to have a, a complete lack of that is upsetting. And you can see it. I mean, the recent coronation He's in the third row because it's obviously upset his parents. He's come out and told his side of the story. His parents mm-hmm. were allowed, they were allowed to write whatever narrative they wanted. They were allowed to plant stories and make up stories about him in the media. But when he turned around and, and actually told his truth just to defend himself, oh, he his dad doesn't have to put up with the same behavior that his dad did to him. He is now upset with his son for telling the truth, whereas his son is supposed to love him no matter what, even though he's lying about his own son in the media. And so now he's in the third row of this coronation. It's like, that's your son. (laughs) Why is public opinion or newspapers, you know, I saw this thing and it said, if your parent is more upset that you're upset with them for upsetting you than they are, that they upset you, like that's a problem. That's like narcissism is the narcissist will be like, well, yes, I hurt you, but now you hate me. So I'm the victim right mm-hmm. when your child is upset with you it should be you're upset with me okay gosh I you know I feel bad that I've upset you I, I want to make it better let's make it better and I think um it's kind of scary to see how much what the royal family does sits well with public opinion it's like that's how many dysfunctional families are out there thinking it's fine to conditionally love your child and to be damaging mm-hmm. psychologically to your child um you not know. say sorry. I think parents, you know, there's this thought of like, mom and dad are always right. Like, no, we're not like we get stuff wrong all the time. And if we're able to be open and honest and say, I'm sorry, like, Hey, I messed up there. Hey, I should have done this differently. Like one, it teaches them that you you're giving them honesty and you're giving them, you're showing them that side, but it also shows them that like, Hey, if I mess up and I come to you, we're going to have a discussion. But like if any time a mess up happens, kids see people melting down and getting crazy and everybody's pissed and they're screaming, like they're either one going to become people pleasers that don't mess up or they're going to hide and and try to hide, shield you from whatever it is they're doing so that you don't find out what they're doing because they don't want to get you mad at them. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And, you know, as a parent, honestly, it can be hard to hear this stuff from time to time. All of us have got it wrong and messed up and so if anyone's listening thinking like oh god I feel bad because like I lost it the other day now is my kid going to people please and hide you know and I think um an important part of being a parent is having the courage to hear uncomfortable things so that you can learn and do better and so you can repair with your child um we need to be the emotionally mature ones that can feel an uncomfortable thing and then regulate that and then intentionally move forward and be the lighthouse and be, you know, you know, we're going to mess up. Um, but I think it's important that we at least know what the good blueprint is. We know what looks good so we can acknowledge when we do mess up and we can let our child know you didn't deserve that. That was a me thing. I did the wrong thing. 
I was dysregulated and I should regulate myself better. Um, and I'm going to try and do better. And, and how you do want to talk about your experience. I think, yeah, we've got to be brave enough to hear the uncomfortable truths and go, well, I haven't always done that. And um, now I know I'm going to do better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love, so I'd love to know a little bit about what is the Resilient Heart Agency and Resilient Voice Media? Sure. So Resilient Heart Agency is all of the coaching pieces that I do. So I got certified in hypnosis, uh, trauma hypnosis. Um, I have like four other certifications just all around trauma, just understanding it and all of those pieces. I'm Reiki certified and I have an NLP certification. And so all of that work is all the healing work. My background is sales and marketing management. So that was my some 25 plus year career um, as a business development manager, um, media and all of those pieces. And so um, I get to do kind of wear all the hats in my agency. Uh, and then Resilient Voice Media is all the podcast production. So uh, we've been now we're a year and a half in, which is actually pretty wild. And the whole point behind why I created this agency was because I felt like too many people had really incredible stories and really incredible voices that weren't getting heard because they didn't know the tech pieces and they didn't want to mess with it. Uh, because I was one of those people too. Resilient Heart podcast has been out. It'll be August, will be three years. And I had to get help to get that part done. And so uh, the Resilient Heart, uh, Resilient Voice Media can do as little or as much as you want. We're actually coming out with a self-guided program for people that are a little more tech savvy than, than some of us that want to learn how to actually edit their podcast, create audiograms on all those pieces, and then work on the pieces that are the marketing and the designing and the strat marketing strategy uh, for launch. So it gets, I get to do all of the media woo-woo stuff on Resilient Heart Agency. And then I get to do all my uh, marketing, business development, uh, connection building on the podcast agency. So it's, for me, it works perfectly because I get to use both sides of what I love. Um, but we are having so much fun and I have such a talented team. Um, most of them have been doing this for seven to 10 years. And so, uh, we're really good at it and it's fun and everybody, I kind of, I, I stumbled on my dream team. And so I'm really, really lucky that I get to work with people that I just, I'm, I'm lucky to work with. Oh, wow. Sounds incredible. Yeah. So how can people um, find out more about you? Is, you? is there a website they can go to? or They're actually I'm in the middle of rebranding and fixing my whole website. So it's actually a girlfriend from back home. It's getting redone. And the mock-up is so beautiful. I'm like, I'm going to look like a whole adult when this is done. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, the easiest way to, to get in touch with me is either on Facebook or Instagram. And it's just Gabby Garland, G-A-B-I, last name Garland, like Christmas Garland. Um, and that is the easiest resilient heart podcast. If you need some inspiration, sometimes you need a swift kick. Sometimes you need some tangible things to help you, um, work on some of those shadow pieces that we've all got. Um, my, my podcast does a lot of that as well. Awesome. What's the podcast called? The resilient heart podcast. Oh, the resilient heart podcast. Awesome. And yeah. found, so that's all been happening for three years. Is that right? Yeah, Resilient Heart Podcast started. Um, I was actually starting my first recording this week, three years ago. Wow. So that's when your yeah. son was one. Is that right? Um, yes. Yes, he was one. It was after the second surgery. Um, and then we got into the pandemic. And so I started that process in like 
April and May of like, okay, I guess I'm going to do a podcast. So let's just see what happens. <laughs> and what is it? What has your experience been like responsibly parenting and also, um, you know, doing a business for you? You know, what, what has that been like? Um, delegation. So my first two years in my company, I was a solopreneur with some help here and there. Once I launched the podcast production company, now we're a team of 10 um, and we'll be hiring again before the end of the year. So I think the secret for me was knowing what I don't know and finding people that are really good at all the things that I'm not good at and trusting them to do their magic. Um, the other part of it is rest. I came from a network marketing world uh, and did very well, but it was absolutely debilitatingly exhausting. And so I got so ingrained in that like hustle culture and team no sleep and all those things they tell you. And it's not that I'm not ungrateful for those years because they were wonderful. I spent five years. I did, I got out of debt. I did checked a bunch of boxes, um, but the rest and the be, the be ability to like go and just have fun. So to give you an example, um, last year, our very first launch in, um, March with the resilient heart uh, or was resilient voice media was a client of mine and we launched her podcast and she launched in Denver. And so I flew out to be at her launch party and get to meet her and take her out to dinner. And just to finally like get to hang out with her in person. And my flew my daughter up um, because I was going to stay a couple of extra days. And so she got to see me during network marketing world where she was texting everybody. And I didn't, I was working till 11 to 12 at night, back up at six, seven o'clock in the morning. And she got to see what it looks like when you're not hustling for your worthiness and you can delegate and you can get up at a normal hour and you can have breakfast and be a normal human and still find success. And I think she needed to see that other side of like the disconnection um, and having fun and just being, you know, making a vacation, an actual vacation where I wasn't stuck on my phone working. And our babies, I get that our babies will understand why we do what we do later, but if there's anything that gives me pause now is my son's four and it goes so fast. And I think having one who's four and how quickly that's gone and then having the 23 and seeing like, I remember when she was that size and how that feels like just a couple of years ago. Uh, for me, it may take me a little longer to get to the goals that I have because I'm not going to work 24 seven, 365, I'm going to take time for my family. And I think we need to give ourselves permission to do what feels right for us. Um, and if it means that you're, it takes you a little longer to hit the growth that you want to, okay, but you're going to get to it and you're going to get to enjoy it and you're going to be intact and happy. And for me, that's more important than anything else at this point. Amazing. Amazing. So how did you actually find time to record podcasts and stuff with a one-year-old? Cause they're kind of running, <sighs> crawling around. They're a bit disruptive. Like how um, my husband would normally I would have to record after 8 p.m. Um, during the week so that my husband could get the baby down. And then if he was crying or whatever, then he would um, handle the baby. Now he's in school. So he goes to school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday during the day. So I'll do some recordings during the day, uh, some at night like this for me. But I think the thing that I love about podcasting is once you build a really solid community and once you really pour out into people, like they just kind of rock with you as you grow and you learn. And sometimes like, I don't have a podcast episode that week. Cause I'm like, I just, we were impatient and we had surgeries or we had whatever. And I think 
Uh, we need to, as moms, give ourselves more grace. Like, yeah, we want to be successful. Yes, we want to hit our goals. Like that, there's no issue with that. I'm, I've, I'm ambitious too, but um, don't surrender to the point where you are so exhausted you don't get to even enjoy the success that you get um, because you've completely obliterated your your whole tanked your adrenals, which I've done more than once. Um, put yourself into a depression, sleeping horribly, like all that stuff. Like, nah. We're not doing that anymore. Not so much. Beautiful. And so what is your why for why you um, responsibly parent? Because I realized how I did it wrong for so long. Um, I think, which is not a cool feeling at all to think, you know, I definitely could have handled that better. I could have been a better, more present mom. Um, but it also keeps me very mindful so that he gets the best me. And if it means something doesn't get done that day, because I've got to switch stuff around and he's stuck with me like glue, then that's what happens. And I send something to one of my assistants and they get something done and, and I delegate it. And I think um, we get so worried about giving those pieces to other people because it's our dream. It's our business and all of that, but man, find the right team. And it's, it makes it so much easier and so much more fun. Yeah. And I think one of the things about early parenthood, it can be that it can be a bit lonely or isolating or this or that, the other. And, you know, I think that is like one of the unspoken benefits of going to work because you have adults and adult and you're sort of all forced together to get on with each other. And eventually you sort of figure it out and make it work. And you're part of these teams that, um, yeah, you're all part of something working towards a common goal. Whereas parenting, it's sort of like you and, you know, it sounds like you've got a really supportive husband, which is great you and you know maybe it's just the parent I mean it was just you at the start with your daughter or maybe you've got a supportive husband but really there's no big team around a lot of people some people have a very supportive family network which I don't know if I think that's less common than common these days um you know but yeah I think there is something nice about when you do find a way to add in something for yourself um, you do start to have connections with adults and, and, and stuff like that. It's, it is good for your mental health, isn't it? It's a it balance. Is. It's a balance figuring out how to responsibly parent in a way that makes sure you're filling your cup enough that you're stable enough to provide your best to your child. Mm-hmm. And for some people, I think that does look like having a bit of some side study or side business or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, because I think there's also that other side of like, oh, you just want to be a stay at home mom. What's wrong with her? Um, And I think you can be whatever works the best for your environment um, and whatever that looks like, because that can change. I mean, it was it was stay at home mom without a business or a company or a job for me for, you know, a year and a half before I launched my agency. Uh, And I did. I felt tons of guilt, like I'm not helping with the bills and I'm not, you know, contributing to all of the mortgage and all of those pieces, but my job was to make sure that he was good. And so, you know, that was in that season, that's what he needed. That's what I needed. And we kept it moving. And then now I get to run a company and have a kid and it's wild. And sometimes he's doing the most and we just roll with it. And, and luckily I think I share enough. And I think it's so important for women to share what a day-to-day looks like, especially if you're building a business online, because if the only thing you ever show the world is this perfectly polished, 
My hair is done in every picture. This is my shoot. My house is beautiful. There's no toys on the floor. I have all my dishes put away. You know, the, the life that is that really quick snapshot, you're going to attract an audience that is going to see a vision of you that is not actually what your life looks like. And I will say that the fact that, yeah, it's wild and I have to be, be mindful of it. But I never had a client have an issue with him doing the most because that's always been shown as part of my life that like, this is my life. He is, you know, a little feral wild animal and he's going to run up here and blow kisses in the camera and do all of those things on client calls. And the more that we shared that honest piece, one, it gives women an understanding of like, yeah, I could do this myself. Like I could build a business and still have babies at home because I think a lot of times we think we can't because the world shows us this polished picture and we're like, there's no way I can do that. So I just might as well not even try. And the more that we share, that's really what it looks like. I feel like it will show more women that it doesn't have to be polished and perfect and, um, and not kind of take the shame piece around it not looking like an Instagram ad because I'm like that's not my life anyway so you might as well just learn who I am yeah I think it's all about that values alignment isn't it sort of deciding what would fulfill you um what your values are and then understanding that that's going to come at the price of the other values being fulfilled so if your value really is that you want to have an Instagram house and meet and whatever um, then yeah, you're probably someone that it's not best to have a side hustle. It is best to just be parenting and then keeping the house tidy. I mean, even those two things is more than a full-time job. Really just the parenting, oh just the parenting piece is full-time and um, more than full-time is 24 uh, seven. It's, it's such an accomplishment, not even accomplishment. I shouldn't use that word, but it's a whole other job to be able to keep a house tidy on top of that. And I think if those two things are the priority, then when they're at least under three, um it might not work out that there's a <laughs> a business but if you do you really get real with yourself and say what means more to me to be achieving um in some sort of business sense uh you know to be contributing to the world or to be you know in some in, in a way that's just me beyond being a parent then you might be willing to let go of the tidy house and this and that to fulfill other values but like everyone's only got the same amount of hours in the day um you know we can only do so much unless we're outsourcing a lot and that requires a bit of a budget but I think just understanding that you know you'll only be able to do so much so figure out well what are your top three things you want to do and just focus on that and know that there will be there will be a price for every every yes is a no to something else so the yes Mm -hmm. business might be a no to the Instagram looking house you know right it is and I think I think uh, Shonda Rhimes which is um a writer out here that does like Grey's Anatomy and couple of the other like really great shows and she was like you know there's no balance she's like if I'm killing it as a mom then I am not doing everything I need to do as a writer and if I'm doing everything I need to do as a writer then I'm failing at different things when it comes to my kids and I think um as long as we do the best that we can and we show up and we're honest and we're making the time that we do have really quality then I think I feel like that's what they that's what they'll see before they see anything else is the effort yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for anyone in those early baby stages, honestly, the price of admission to being a really responsive mom often is to let go of the desire to have the Instagram looking tidy house for a few years. Um, but if you sit down, you really think when I'm 70 or 80, what's going to matter more that for three, four years of my life, my house was messy and I, I looked messy 
um, but my child got secure attachment, secure base, at 70, 80, what's going to matter more that your child got that secure blueprint or that, you know, for those three, four years, you had a tidy house. I mean, in retirement, honestly, you've got so much time in your 60s and 70s to have the tidiest house. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, just, you know, it just, uh, boss one said to me, um, you can have it all, but not at the same time. And I think just be clear on what is this season? What do you really want out of it? What will future you be proud of for you achieving in this time? And just understand that there'll be a price, there'll be a price to pay. And um if your why is big enough, then the price will be worth it. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. Is there anything um, else that you wanted to share today on parenting that I haven't quite asked you? We haven't hit on it yet. I think just to impress on women, if she's, if there's a woman that's listening and I think so often we don't do the work on ourselves because we don't want to, I, I, this happens all the time with clients. I always say, you know, I don't know if I want to do a session. I'm scared of what's going to come up, but shoving it down has not done what it needs to do for your growth. So how about trying something else? And it doesn't mean pick hypnosis. It doesn't mean pick Reiki. It doesn't mean to pick anything that I am doing in general. Um, but I think there's so many different ways for women to heal and to have those support systems. And so I think it's so important, whatever that looks like for you, so that you have a space where you can be honest, where you can tell your truth, where you're struggling, you can say all the things that you're struggling with and know you're not going to catch judgment and attitude and shaming and creating more spaces like that for women in whatever capacity that can happen. Um, I just feel like it's so important. So um, if someone is listening and they don't have that support system, they don't have anybody that they can message and say, Hey, I can't today. I cannot. Um, I love those messages. It's never a sales pitch. I think too many coaches in this, these different capacities don't extend grace and compassion and kindness because they're like, there's an invoice and yeah, there will be an invoice at some point, but sometimes we just need somebody to be sweet to us and to, to hold space. And, um, so if someone's listening and they don't have that, um, they can absolutely message me because I, I do that. I do that a lot. It is, it is a part-time job on top of the three full-time jobs that I have, but I wouldn't change it because I think we all need those spaces. And if I can be that for someone I want to be. Beautiful. Yeah. I think um, that's what people are craving the most now is just the connection and the safe space that we spoke about. That's so interesting that Dr. Gabamete talks about. Um yeah, just having someone to talk to uh, is so important. Well, awesome. thank you so much for coming you. to the podcast today. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful night. Thank you, you too. Really appreciate it. Bye.